This is our second session on Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. And we're going to ask, what does it mean that slaves of men are more importantly, more decisively, more ultimately slaves of Christ? Slaves, be subject to your lords, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as you obey Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the soul, rendering service with a good will, as to the Lord. I'm just going to stop there and let that sink in. As, as, as. And I said last time, that's the main point of the passage. Obey as you obey Christ. Obey as slaves of Christ. Obey as to the Lord. And the word as there doesn't mean Christ isn't your Lord. He's only as your Lord. We know that because of verse 9. Lords, do the same things to them, ceasing your threatening, knowing that he who is both their Lord and yours is in heaven. So this Christ, Christ, Lord, is this Lord. He is the slave's Lord. So, obey as you obey Christ means you are obeying Christ when you obey the Lord. You are a slave of Christ when you function as a slave of the Lord. You are rendering service with a goodwill as to the Lord. You are serving the Lord. Now, the question in this session is, what's that reality? What does it mean to be a slave of the risen Lord Jesus? So, Father, this doesn't just apply to slaves in the first century. This applies to us, all of us who are Christians. So, I pray that you would grant us understanding of what it means to be a slave of Christ, whoever we are as a Christian. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Consider 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Why? Because you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Every Christian is Christ's slave, which means one bought by him, two owned. You were bought, you're not your own, you belong to him. Three, you exist. Four, him. Glorify God in your body. He bought you. He owns you. 
and there's a destiny for you to live for his glory. Consider just a few verses earlier in chapter 7, or later in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called, that he's called to be a Christian, called out of darkness into light. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't be concerned about it. And he adds this parenthesis, which we'll probably talk more about later. If you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. You'll see why that is in the rest of this. For he who was called in the Lord, that is, who was saved, he who was called in the Lord as a slave is the freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when he was called is the slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Oh my, this is really important. This doesn't mean, does it, that only those who were formerly slaves can be called freedmen of the Lord, and only those who were free can be called a slave of Christ. No. All Christians are freedmen of the Lord. All Christians are slaves of Christ. So we can go back and add a, a fourth feature of belonging to the Lord as we are both slave and free. To be a slave of Christ is to be the freest of all people. To be free in Christ, by Christ, is to be a slave of Christ. And then verse 23, you were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. How, how do you think a uh, human slave master would hear this in the early church? If he has ears to hear, it would sound something like this. All the believers in this church were bought and owned by Christ. You can't have two slave owners. You either belong to one or you belong to the other. So don't become a slave of men would say to the slave owner, they're not mine. Not in any absolute sense. And we should, like it says here, if you can gain your freedom, gain your freedom. Because to be bought with a price, to be owned by Christ, means you can't be owned by another. There's a profound sense in which the inner reality of slavery is gutted. Ephesians 1 7. What's the price that had to be paid when we were bought? In Christ, we have redemption, purchase through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. The price was blood, Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed, you purchased, you redeemed. By your blood you purchased a people 
for God from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. What were we purchased from? Revelation 1.5, to him who loves us, to Christ who loves us and has freed us from our sins. We were bought free from the bondage of sin, and that means bondage of guilt, bondage of God's wrath, everything that attached to sin we were liberated from by his blood. Here it is again in Romans 6. But now that you have been set free from sin, we were bought free from sin. We were once slaves of sin. Now you have become slaves of God. And the fruit you get is sanctification. Now, all of that to say that these slaves here are decisively slaves of Christ, slaves of Christ, slaves of the Lord. That governs their relationship to their masters. And how it governs it, we will see. It's not exactly maybe what we think it would be. But I want to close by stressing this is true. This relationship of being bought by Christ, owned by Christ, slaves of Christ, relativizing all other authority in our lives is true for all of us. Consider 1 Peter 2, 13 to 16 in regard to government. So there's an analogy here. Government would be like the analogy of the slave master. Citizen would be like the analogy of the slave. And we're told to be subject or to obey every human institution, whether it be the emperor or to governors. So Christians are called, like slaves are called to obey masters, Christians are called to obey every human institution like emperor and governor. Only look at this. It's for the Lord's sake. We have a Lord. This emperor is not our Lord. This governor is not our Lord. It is for our Lord's sake that we come under the emperor, for the Lord's sake that we come under the governor. You look a governor in the eye and an emperor in the eye, and they look arrogantly at you and say, you belong to me. We can say very peacefully, we don't belong to you. You don't serve over us as our Lord. We have one Lord, Jesus Christ. And the reason we're standing before you is just because he told us to. It's not because you told us to. It's because he told us to. Now watch how he plays that out. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. Our Lord has set us free from emperors, free from governors. We are free. No slave master, no emperor, no governor, in a sense wives, no husband, in a sense children, no parents, no teachers. We are free. And for the Lord's sake, this freedom is sent into the world to submit to human institutions like parents, like teachers, like husbands, like governors, like elders in churches. But we are fundamentally free, and now we're called, don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but live as slaves of God. So 
We are bought by Jesus. We are slaves of God. He is our one and absolute master. He sends us under emperors, under governors, under human institutions like teachers and parents and husbands. So, what we see here in the dynamics of how slaves are bought and owned by Christ, by Christ, by Christ, and therefore they're obeying their lords according to the flesh for Christ's sake applies to all of us in a profound way.